Welcome back, everybody, to the ROI Podcast, presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business on the IUPUI campus. I'm Shane Simmons, and today we have a really interesting episode. We're going to be talking about online reviews and how they can help businesses, but also how they can possibly hurt businesses in some ways. And we're not talking about you know somebody getting a one or a two-star review. We're talking about research that's been conducted right here at the Kelly School of Business that shows even some reviews that have been left in a positive manner can still negatively impact some people in the way that they read them and judge those reviews. And we're going to be getting into that really quickly, but I always like to ask people, you know, think about this for a second. So when you're about to buy a new product uh, or, you know, a new service even, do you research beforehand? Do you read those reviews? The fact is the majority of shoppers do, but the number of stars that someone has earned doesn't necessarily translate to trust, according to Kelly professors Tony and Dina Cox. And there has been since about the 1970s, there has just been a steady decline among Americans in trust of all kinds of institutions. As a further part of that conversation, um, another thing that we all noticed in our own behavior as you know, consumers looking at online reviews is how we were influenced by how well or poorly the reviews were written. Uh, including grammatical errors, spelling errors, and so forth. And that's what Tony and Dina decided to focus their latest research on, which is how consumers are influenced by errors that are left by other shoppers in their reviews. What we did is we went online and we got some actual reviews as kind of of our base stimuli. Uh, They were online reviews for a for a non-prescription pain reliever, uh, actual consumer reviews. And and then we, um, we altered them. Uh, we had kind of our control condition was, was something pretty close to what this uh, original actual review had been. And then we, we modified, created two modified versions that both had different types of textual errors. So that was another thing we were interested in. Sometimes, you know, somebody sends you an email with an iPhone, and often there's a standard apology or or disclaimer they have, you know, I apologize for any errors, you know, I'm sending this from a small device. So they're kind of mechanical errors that an otherwise literate person might make, you know, like two letters transposed or something like that. And then um, there also are, are sort of consistent fanatical misspellings that indicate, you know, other, the person may have other cognitive challenges. And so those were the two other conditions. We created uh, on, on er- the error-free review, which was close to the, what the original review was. And then we had one that, would, that had typos, like transposed letters, common sort of keystroke errors. And then we had another that had genuine spelling errors. And so those were kind of our three different conditions. And then we did an online uh, experiment where we recruited, it was a national sample of consumers of various ages, levels of education, and so forth. Um, and so consumers the respondents were randomly assigned to one of these three reviews, and then they were asked a series of questions um, after they had read the review. Now, this is where things get interesting. Tony says there tends to be two types of people. There are high-trusters and low-trusters. Essentially, the high-trusters can pick up trustworthiness cues in other people. 
And the low trusters, well, they are fairly poor at picking out these cues. So you might be asking, well, what does this mean for the research? Were there differences among the high trusters and the low trusters when it came to spotting these errors in the reviews? Well, what they found was it was the high trusters who were more affected by spelling and grammatical errors in the reviews. Tony explains. What we found in our research was that the people who had low dispositional trust really did not distinguish between the different uh, uh, reviews uh, in terms of the number or types of errors. But the people who had high trust were very sensitive, and in particular, they tended to not trust the reviewers who made careless errors, who made the sort of mechanical or typographical errors, because they associate carelessness with, with untrustworthiness. People who were sort of loose and fact, fast with their typing were also loose and fast with the, the facts or with information. They were much more interesting. They were much more forgiving in terms of their willingness to trust this reviewer and what they said about the product. They were much more forgiving of people who just had challenges and maybe didn't know how to spell. So people would make a, uh, you know, an example would be if somebody spelled refrigerator, uh, I-D-G, which is a misspelling, consistently, uh, they're not being careless. They just don't know how to spell spell that word. They were more forgiving of that. But people who are very careless, um, they viewed that as a cue that maybe they're careless with the vax, too. Uh, that, that they were less trustworthy. So what we are seeing is two dimensions to the issue at hand. From a corporate perspective, there's what people are saying. Are they giving me a positive or are they giving me a negative review? And then there's the issue of, will people actually read the review? And if they do read the review, will they trust what has been written? The way to play it straight, if you want to, I mean, it's definitely beneficial to have positive online reviews. And that's been shown that the sales impact of positive online reviews for restaurants, hotels, and so forth is really significant. But the old school way of trying to get those is just deliver really good customer service. Um, and, and the consumers who are genuinely delighted or thrilled with your product, those are going to be ones who are much more likely to post online reviews. And that's something, you know, that's kind of the old-fashioned way. Uh, and I think there are a lot of dangers. There, there are a lot of companies out there who will advertise, you know, will help you sort of gen up your online reviews. And I think that companies need to be cautious of doing anything that is kind of ballot box stuffing or putting their thumb on, uh, on the scales and just really focus on delivering a great customer experience. And I think the reviews will follow. So if you're about to set up a business or take your first dive into online sales or something along those lines, how can you leverage online reviews to your advantage? Well, Tony explains his big takeaway on this. I, I guess my biggest um, sort of takeaway would be, uh, and this is one of the things we talked about in in the paper, is is the the careless errors i think one reason why the high trust consumers who t- tend to be more discerning as I indicated before kind of react to those is uh there's some indication that careless errors are a signal that this may be a bogus review because as one of the experts we cite in the paper said the writing fake reviews is a mass production business 
And so a lot of the reviews tend to be written hastily. Uh, and so as a consequence, they, they, they're more likely to have these sort of careless errors. Um, so I, I think it's kind of a warning, if you will, uh, once again, to companies who may be tempted to have, you know, there are third-party uh, organizations who will mass-produce favorable reviews to put them on your website. Or there are some companies that may encourage all of their employees to go on and write favorable reviews. And that kind of mass production or attempted mass production of, uh, of bogus reviews, I think, it is likely to send signals like careless errors that discerning consumers are going to look at and say, this is bogus. And so not only may they discount that review, but they may have this sort of boomerang reaction against the whole company. For some final thoughts, great business all comes down to providing an exemplary product or service and complementing that with the best customer service. By doing this, you are essentially setting yourself and your company up for success and the reviews and all the social proof, well, that'll all follow. It's crazy to think that getting an online review isn't necessarily enough. According to this research by professors Tony and Dina Cox, if those reviews have spelling errors or other mistakes in them, different people can determine whether or not they trust that review. And it's, it's just fascinating to think that you could be getting a lot of positive reviews, but those reviews may not necessarily be trusted depending on some of those, those factors we talked about and whether or not it's a high truster reading those or a low truster. So this is some really fascinating research and insight when moving forward and thinking about the social proof that your business uses in their future marketing. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the ROI podcast. We want to thank Kelly School of Business Marketing Professor Tony Cox for being on the show and sharing the research that he and his wife, Dina, uh, have been doing. This is just really interesting to hear some of the insights on these. And we'd also like to remind everyone to subscribe to the ROI podcast and be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Have a very happy holiday, and we will be back with you soon here on the ROI podcast.